This is episode 14 of the Nesby Panua Podcast, produced by STEM Media. Let's get it. You're listening to the Nesbypreneur Podcast, where we share information and inspiration to help make your dream become a reality. Do you have a big idea? Looking to take your business to the next level? Then look no further. You have come to the right place. And now, here's your host, Nehemiah Mabry. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us here again on the Nasby Panua Podcast. Look, I'm really, really excited today because I'm joined with another very accomplished individual. Uh, he goes by the name of Mr. Richard Z. White. Richard, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm really happy that you were able to take the time to join us here on the podcast. Richard Z. White has over 20 years as a certified SAP basis consultant and over 25 years designing, delivering, and developing integrated solutions. His developmental expertise includes delivering database, internet, and imaging solutions to a variety of industries. He has served as technical lead on numerous large-scale implementations, partnering with the likes of Black & Decker, the Discovery Channel, Granger, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola Bottling, and many more. In addition, Richard is a national board member of the National Society of Black Engineers and has worked with major educational institutions to develop technologies, training programs, and increase the representations of minorities in engineering. Richard, I'm, I'm really excited to, to get into this conversation with you because just from your bio, I'm sure the listeners already realize that you have a long list of accomplishments. You have quite a bit of experience and we're really excited to hear what you have to share with us as it relates to entrepreneurship. Oh, thank you. Yes, yes. I'm looking forward to sharing. Yeah, yeah. So my career. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you're far from done. But one of the things we, we like to start off with is you sharing with us, you know, a random fact, maybe something unknown that a person wouldn't expect from hearing your bio um, as it relates to you and just who you are as a person. Oh, yes. I'm, 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 I, I love to be... I'm from Boston, Mass, and I've been going to Moss's Vineyard since I was six years old. Wow. And I love going to Moss's Vineyard every summer, and sometimes I go twice a year. Even sometimes I go three times a year. I just love it. It's a place where I relax, I unwind, I ride my bike, um, and I just fellowship. It just helps, really helps me unwind, and I look forward to going every year. So do you take your family out there, too, and just kind of... Oh, yeah, I take, my, I take my daughter, you know, she... She's she's now we call it, we we go through a process where we try to you know expose Mafavina to our kids mm -hmm. and and sooner or later they get they get hooked and so my <laughs> daughter's hooked. so she's already asking me you know you know how many people can she can she bring and she uh, loves it and she wants to trip as well yeah so um, I love bringing my children there yeah. it's gonna be like you then huh start from young yeah, age so, and yeah. then <laughs> continue the tradition on. Exactly, exactly. One of the things I wondered about that, though, like, I, you know, I've seen pictures of it, never been myself. Other than the beach, is there is there a lot to do over at Martha's Vineyard? Oh, yes, yeah, yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. So basically, it's a, you know, a Holland Renaissance. I mean, back in, the, you know, back in the day, um, you know, mm -hmm. um, Afri African-Americans would find it difficult to, um, 
to you know to vacation. You know, mm-hmm. you go to the beach. You couldn't go to all white beach. You know, mostly all white beaches, and or but you wanted to rent a home, or, or in this case, purchase a vacation home. And and especially on the East Coast, you know, the, um, the Harlem Renaissance, where you know African Americans, as you know, were doing very well in mm-hmm. New York City. Mm-hmm. You know, that was their that was their number one place where they would go vacation. And okay. then you talk about Broadway. You know, you talk about you know Cat Williams. You talk about all you know the Harlem Renaissance people. They they all would somewhere go through that would be the place where they can vacation mm-hmm. um and then you have a scenario where you know um you know you know mixed races um you know it's a place where you know whether you know whether you're african-american or you have one little piece of of of, of black <laughs> in you uh-huh. you can go to the beach and go to a place and have a great time and party and so forth there so it was always clubs things you hang out at night mm-hmm. you know dancing um we have there's a place now that we call lola's you know it's a place that you know we try everyone comes and you know we do old school music yeah and then of course there's a you know we have a beach party right we have wow. a beach party where we have a dj so the boston police you know every summer they come um <laughs> and um they do something on the beach and it's a beach party so we all look forward to being on the beach and having like a big you know big block party right on the beach and it's just, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's it's really a nice place. Cool, cool. Man. Um, so we want to know a little bit about your uh, academic background. Um, you, when you first started out of school, what did, what did you study, and how did you get into? Yeah, your I, original I, studied, major? I studied. I studied electroengineering. Okay, okay. And, um, and um, I did masters. I did my masters work at at, at, at um, Bowie. Um, I was two classes shy from getting my masters, actually. Oh, okay, um, okay. So it was just um, it was relative to I started my business and I had to travel. So right. back at, back at that time. You know, it was you know, do you know, do you really work on your business, or mm-hmm. do you really shut it down and try to, you know, finish? It was just, it got to a point where I, I just, you know, finished my coursework, but at Bowie, you have to take an exam to kind of complete your master's. I never got a chance to do that. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So, take us a little bit to that. Well, first of all, I, I mentioned in your bio that you are certified, you're SAP certified. Is that what you initially did? And if you can take a moment just to find that that acronym for us or that word for us, SAP. What is that? Okay, yeah. And then SAP, us, yeah. SAP is Systems, Applications, and Products. And okay. so that's so that's what it is. It's, it's the fourth leading software vendor in, in, the, in the world, right? So mm-hmm. when we say fourth leading, you know, the top three uses SAP to run their business. I mean, SAP is the back-end system. It is used, it is, um, it is pretty much runs everything from banks to industries to public sector to defense everything from accounts payable payroll distribution hr um a, a number of um, vertical applications um relative to um, um oil oil applications oil distribution um itio mm-hmm. um, implementations and so basically it is really um you know the leading back end software that you know if you really you know if you really want to leverage and build all your bolt-ons and build all your applications on it would you, you would you would want to build it on top of an sap type application so it's like it's like a network pretty much application that you allow okay it's basically yes it's enterprise the enterprise application that sits in your industry and everything else is built around it i mean normally you know, it's a, it's a it's a multi it's a multi year implementation, mm-hmm. and it is it evolves with your company. Okay. You know, as you as you as you build more businesses or, or or build different industries, 
then you, you know, you adapt SAP to those industries and, to, and those software and application requirements. Gotcha. So okay. it's everything from, you know, so basically, you know, anything from a mobile device all the way back, you know, to, to you know, to back end. And that's POS and everything, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna be honest with you. You are educating me right now because I'm. <laughs> my background uh -huh. is civil engineering, so okay. I don't get too too deep in any type of enterprise applications. But I'm sure someone's listening right now and know exactly what you're talking about and say, "Oh yeah, yeah, I know what that, I know what SAP is and, and all that kind of stuff." So, if you could share though, how did that initial entrepreneurial itch kind of come about? Where is that the first thing that you kind of went into? Where you were, you know, a master student and you decided to go out on your own? This Take us to the origin um, of it all. Okay, so so basically, you know, I'm a, a digital equipment corporation. I mean, they're no longer. They were bought up by HP. They were bought up by Compaq, and Compaq was bought by HP. So I'm from the 128 area. I'm from Boston. So, okay. you know, I, um, I worked for, I was a digital scholarship student, mm -hmm. and I was, you know, um, just very, 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 very good, you know, with computers and software and stuff like that. And, okay. And subsequently... You know, I first started, in, you know, working on an MRP system, you know, in, in for, you know, digital equipment corporate, they build computers, right? So, but they need, every, every manufacturing company needs software to manage the business side of manufacturing a product. Okay. And so, okay. back then, it's the MRP2 system. So, I, I got on that very early on. Um, it was a maximum, it was a different type of vendor, SAP. SAP came out in 1972, but I mean, you know, even though I started in the 80s, you know, SAP was still coming on as a German company, even though it was developed by Germans who um, who worked for IBM. So back then, organizations would still build their own applications, mm -hmm. um, support support their processes to to build their product or to uh, or to sell their or to manage the, the, the cost behind delivering a service. And that software was homegrown, or in this in this case, what, what they would call customized software from, you know, IBM had their own software, mm -hmm. um, HP, just, you know, all the companies would kind of develop their own software. Right, do their own. You know, exactly. So during my time, companies realized that they needed to purchase um, a, a cu cu you know, a product off the shelf, and <sighs> and then have us kind of customize that. But try to limit their customization and support to whereas they're not constantly um, the cost to maintain the software wasn't so high for the company. Subsequently, you know they can keep the cost of building their product low. So I want to jump in real quick, real quick, Richard. Now you say mm -hmm. us, you know hire us. Like what? What are you from? Are you talking about you as a college kid when you say us and some buddies, or like what do you mean? No, I said so. So so yeah, I was, so I was a soft. I was um I was a co-op student. So okay. very early on, I was a co-op student. So I was exposed to all of this. And so subsequently, back back then, you know, if you're exposed to all that hardware, all that software, mm -hmm. and, you know, you 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 know, you go home and people ask you to fix their computers. People <laughs> ask you to, you know, I need to I need to have I need to, I need you to develop a, a database and DBase too. And, mm -hmm. and so I was just doing all those little things and just in in a way, you know, they were paying me, they were helping me, and I was like at McDonald's, you know, they they use the. Uh, um, <laughs> They use software as well. It's called a POS, mm -hmm. and so they, you know, so it goes, it ties to the inventory. And so I, you know, you know, I'm already own McDonald's franchise. That's what I do part time work to help get their POS system um, started. And so that's how I got into the entrepreneurship. And so that was 
That was very early on. I was, wasn't even out of college yet. So it was like a side so, hustle at first, kind of like people knew you had this. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Gotcha. Right, gotcha. So, right, so it was a constant side hustle. And then from that point, um, you know, I graduated from college. I did the course Nesby, you know, in terms of, you know, they call me NesbyNet. I'm the founder of NesbyNet, which was really a communication system for NASDAQ Black Engineers. Mm-hmm. And so I got, I really got to do that, um, got to participate, you know, at that point, digital helped me um, partner to, you know, build, take what, what I contributed with other people at digital to build some software for registration. So, you know, back then, you know, there wasn't a, a registration system you would purchase to, um, for membership. You know, I did debate two on a, on a 386. And then the goal was to get our members to, um, you know, uh, register early, become members so they could register and pay a lower cost, and that helped us raise money for the organization prior to the convention. So that was a little that was a little way, <laughs> but I'm doing all this work outside of my job, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Then, so you know, as those skills were applicable for other people who want to pay me, you know, on the side. So gotcha. that's how that started. Gotcha. So then from that, you know, I just I left. I I worked for semiconductor um, component in, in digital, and eventually. In the late 80s, early 90s, there was a push for highly skilled um, people like myself to go into the field. Prior to that, prior to that period, if you graduated from college, um, you would work at headquarters. You would work in Patisserie, New York, for IBM. Mm-hmm. You work in New Jersey for AT&T, and you work in Boston if you work for digital. Gotcha. So that was that. So when you, you know, when you graduated, you know, the big six consulting firms, you know, they were they were the only ones out in the field that were working with, you know, customers that needed, you know, needed automation, needed advancement. And, and basically, you know, it was more of a two year type of degree that would be out in the field that they would manage. And then, you know, we would, we would build and develop our product, sell it out to the field, and then they would try to support it. And as, as the demand for support became more important and companies needed to decentralize their expertise, I went out into a field as a consultant. Gotcha. So gotcha. I went out and so I came to the Mava district, which is the DMV uh-huh. area. And I worked, you know, I consulted, you know, on Unix. I consulted on Oracle, DBA work, as you know, performance tuning, um, cellular one, which is now, um, which is singular one, which is now what, AT&T. I mean, that, that was built on, um, you know, deck hardware, RDB, which is a competitive product to Oracle. So let me Oracle get right here, Richard. I'm a, I think you have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, great projects that sound like you did. But I want to for for those of us who are listening, I, I don't want to go over the past of you know you're working in this field, you had some experience, you got exposure, and for some reason, like many people listening, you understood it, like you got it, like you exactly. understood the system, how it works. You realized that you had a gift or a talent, as some people call it, that 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 was needed in the marketplace. And so you decided to go to an area and work as a consultant. But that moment exactly. right there, um, I, I'm sure for you was, was a while ago. However, for many people listening is actually probably right now for them. And so Absolutely. one of the things I'm really interested in is, is that you would share with us and those listening is what was some of the challenges and the lessons that you found yourself having to face when you first said, all right, I'm no longer going to go with this digital under the digital umbrella, but I'm going to go out and go under the Richard Z white umbrella. And now I'm going to, yeah, I was still hustling. I was hustling at that time. So, <laughs> so okay. even now, I mean, as, as, I mean, I think those that 
have, you know, have they do a little IT support for their families mm-hmm. or their little, you know, all their little families has businesses now and they got a, you know, got a STEM degree, especially when, especially with electrical engineering like myself or mm-hmm. computer science, you know, we all do a little, you know, we all do a little help, right? So, right. you know, I, I've got this big customer base that I'm still doing on the side, but, you know, I'm focused on, you know, my consulting work. Mm-hmm. But at some point, I, be, I began to realize that, um advancement in corporate America was, was taking a bit. Um, mm-hmm. Some of that has to do with, you know, people getting comfortable with, with someone like me. You know, I, I don't look like them. Right. You know, you, right. don't forget we still got the glass ceiling. <laughs> so for someone like me who gets it and, you know, um, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was, I was in the glass ceiling. I remember, I still remember, you know, they're telling me if you get, if you finish this imaging project, you know, we'll advance you. And then I finished the imaging project and mm-hmm. then there was a real. Wow. So I just, it was just, it was just, it was just something that I kind of knew that, you know, I hit the ceiling. To put it in other words, you knew in order for you to reach your highest potential and to really achieve what you could achieve, you need to kind of go out and, and just do it on your own outside of corporate America. Exactly. Okay. Right. Yeah. So that's what happened. So I, I, I left. Went to a, I went to a, a, a minority-owned firm at that point mm-hmm. that will allow me to be consulting even more independently. Mm-hmm. And then, um, again, through the process of digital, I became SAP certified. And then I, then I was pulled out of the other firm by Sun Microsystems. I worked with some individuals on some projects. Mm-hmm. And then on our implementation in Philadelphia, you know, they were looking for a contractor. And I felt that that was the time for me to do to be on my own. And I went to and I started that. And that's how I kind of went into. It was just something I knew consulting. I started moving around. Mm-hmm. You know, in the '90s, you know, you, you was moving around. Your salaries was growing. So even though I was doing my master's work at Bowie, mm-hmm. you know, my salary was was doubling, tripling because I was leaving one one company, one client role, one consulting role, and one company to another one. Wow. So I jumped from company. And my, my, you know, eventually my salary doubled and tripled, but then, you know, it was to a point where we started traveling and then, you know, there were other con- contractors in SAP making a lot of money and um, my skill set was just, you know, really at a good place to do my own thing. So do you remember at what point, you know, you hit that, that tipping point, as some people call it, like where I, one, at one point you're getting business from people that are kind of, you know, small scale or medium scale, but then all of a sudden you start getting calls from the big boys, as they call it. Do you remember exactly. kind of, do you remember exactly. kind of how that, that tipping point came about or yes. what took place? I remember, I remember it very, very, very clearly. I was working for a very small firm, right? So what happens is, you know, especially if you're, if you're a, a good, um, good consultant, what happens is you might, you might start out the big six. I think that's what happens today, right? You start out the big six now. Uh-huh. That's pretty much what you do now when you come out of college. As you begin to work for smaller and smaller consulting firms, you get a bigger piece of the pie. You get more mm. opportunities. You get more experience. Mm-hmm. So I began getting close. So back in the day, the same thing happened for me. I just started working close, smaller and smaller firms. So the salary and the compensation became more bonus centric. Okay. And they just, you know, it it was it, the bonus centric. It was just getting to a point where there was a discussion that if I take this role with this new company, I would get five percent of the company. Mm-hmm, um, it, mm-hmm. it never materialized, and I knew that that was the tipping point that I needed to go do my own thing. Right, right, right. But at that point, you had a network, you had contacts, yep. you knew who to yeah, call, definitely. you knew who to like. Yep. Okay, you knew how the how the business worked. So, 
hey, there you have it. For people who may um, be begrudging their current business, it seems like, um, and, I, and I work actually at a small engineering firm too, when you have an opportunity to learn in those environments where you're, you know, you're filling the bumps of the road, you're filling the terrain, that actually can set you up for a successful run in entrepreneurship. So I'm glad you shared that, Richard. And that's something. Yeah, I've been I've been a consultant since I've been, you know, I, you know, I, like I said, I was hustling from you know ninth the 90s in 2001 is when I you know got my company official and my you know of course my attack ID number from 2001 right. and I'm independent since 2001. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we're going to go into kind of our, our, our final portion of the interview. And at this point, Richard, we really want to get some some actionable or some takeaways, rather, of advice from you for those of us who are listening to you and saying, man, you know, I want to play at that type of level. I've been learning a lot in my current jobs or even in school, and uh, we want to apply it. So one of the things that we like to ask, and this is actually one of the favorite questions from those who listen, is if you had an opportunity to go back in time, hop on a time machine, let's <laughs> say we had one, and speak to yourself maybe about a year before you made the leap, let's say in 2000 and went on your own, and you could give yourself just a short piece of advice and then you had to come back into the present day. What would you say to that younger self? I would have said I would have probably kind of really leveraged my inner network and build expertise in my fellow um people that I knew had the, the ability that I had mm-hmm. and if, and if I could just really in some way have them work closely with me and we could work together, then, you know, you know, this, off and on through my 14 years that I partnered with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also paid, I had a few people, I've also had a few people work, will work on little subcontracts with me. But if I could have really leveraged and really developed partnerships with other people in my field, then I believe that, you know, you know, it wouldn't just be one person. It would be a company of hopefully a hundred. Mm-hmm. I just, so I, just sounds... I just didn't know how to really build that, that partnership, that, you know, that, that collaboration with, with other people who really, you know, you know, just imagine if, if I could have had other people that were, you know, high end consultants like myself and we all mm-hmm. partnered together, we would, you know, the company would be able to stand alone and stand by itself and move better then we probably, I, my company would probably be larger than what it is. So your advice sounds like you you value teamwork. Absolutely. Like building, a, building a strong team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that because then the business, as you're alluding to, then kind of grows exponentially. You know, one person <laughs> could set a 1,000 to flight, as some people know about, but two can set 10,000 to flight, as they say. So, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. So there you have it, listeners. You know, yeah. you have people that you can work with. I always, I always, I always have this thing like you know if, if there was if there was a, if there was a minority firm that you know wanted the best and the brightest and could afford to pay us you know I, I mm-hmm. think that you know we you know we'll be working for you know the African American IBM of today so yeah. it's going to happen yeah. it's just it that is. it's just going to take some time and that's part of why we're increasing the number you know at all areas absolutely absolutely and I I hope that um, you listeners have been able to keep tabs on a lot of people we've been able to interview because we've interviewed a lot of people like yourself, Richard, who've been doing great things. And so I think that, uh, that company is on the way. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Um, another question is, uh, what book and or resource would you recommend for someone who's searching to, uh, make the right things happen in their business? Um, you know, for me, it was just a lot of 
technical bits. I mean, I think certifications do play a role, right? So okay. you got to okay. find you got to find your niche, and you know, part of part of being an independent contributor, or in this case, a consultant or a con, you know, and to be able to be, where people are willing to pay you to come in and solve problems and really bring added value in a very short time. I mean, I think getting mm-hmm. a certification is important. Mm-hmm. So I mean, whatever. I mean, that takes you know, that takes a lot of work. You know, it takes you know, you know, you got to study. So I mean, you know, even now, I mean, companies that I work with now will call me and ask me to be certified. You know, just to help their company out. And and, and so you get to a point where companies will sponsor your certification because they value your partnership, and that means you mm-hmm. have to you know study that. You know, so just be on top of your trade is what I've always tried to do. Like I'm always learning something. I'm always reading the technical book, I and mean, especially in SAP. Mm-hmm. You know, Hannah is a big thing right now, and you know, and, and partners that I work with, they want me to get certified in Hannah. So, I mean, even at my age, so you, I'm still studying. <laughs> <laughs> so you would say, you know, whatever your field is, whatever your niche, those educational uh, books that can help you stay on top of the game. Oh, absolutely. In terms of what absolutely. you're feeling, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, you know, um, absolutely. Now, of course, you got to have a good accountant. I mean, I, that okay. I cannot stress that. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Honestly, mm-hmm. I cannot stress that, right? So, I mean, you know, when you're self-employed, you know, taxes mm-hmm. are your are your number one thing you have to manage. And I would strongly suggest a person having a good accountant. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm starting to see that firsthand myself. Okay, good, that, so. good, good. <laughs> it's it's going to work. Thanks out. for reiterating that. Uh-huh, it's, just, uh-huh. it's just it's just it's just it's just it's just it's just part of it's a, it's, it's part of the business cost. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I remember at first I struggled with that, right? Oh, I can do it on my own. But then as you realize, is that your is that your strong suit or your strong suit really in the service that you provide your clients? And once right. I realized that, I just realized that was a cost to do business, and I incorporated that in my rate. And, you know, now, you know, I, I couldn't be without an accountant. Yes. Listeners, take note of that. Don't be afraid to delegate those things such as accounting and some of the other things that you're not so good at so that you can focus on the area that you provide the most value. Absolutely. So yeah, thanks for that, Richard. Hey, hey, what about a, um, a resource in terms of like the internet or some software that you use kind of on a regular basis to help you stay on top of, you know, whether it's your finances, whether it's your schedule, anything like that, you want to just give a shout out internet resource or, or apps um, or anything like that? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, from, from an internet resource standpoint, I mean, um, the SAP, we have what you call um, SAP Developers Network. So I belong to those networks, right? So, um, okay. and so you, you, whatever your, whatever your, whatever your expertise or trade is, you want to belong to that network. And that network now, you know, is constantly evolving. You know, that developers portal is constantly evolving. Um, I mean, some, I think some of the other people that you've had talked about how, you know, they work with people and, and everything's re- readily out there. But you definitely want to mm-hmm. you definitely want to pay. You definitely want to be part of whatever developer network, whatever network that's about your technology or about your expertise. You want to want to be part of that. So I'm part of um, the SAP Developers Network, um, and you know I, I couldn't live without it. <laughs> yeah, and of course, when it comes to general engineering minority. Uh, network. We're going to highlight Nesby. Oh no, am I right? No doubt. I mean, <laughs> I mean, so that's that's no. I mean, one of the reasons that that I give back, and I'm a life member. I'm mean, I'm number twelve, and you know, wow. and, and I went through the process. You know, way back when, you know, in the early '90s, you know, my, mm-hmm. I had this vision, and I was gonna, you know, 
you know, pay for the job here. I was a, I was a, I was a, I was a major sponsor at a Region Three conference in in Alabama. I still remember that. And I did, wow. I did a, um, I did, I was also a sponsor at the um, when I lived in Florida when um, when um, Nesby came to Florida. I was a sponsor mm-hmm. and I sponsored a roundtable and I did those things. And um, but again, you know, it's just about the numbers, right? There's just not a lot of us doing that. So I couldn't really you know my. It was more about networking of leadership side, not necessarily mm-hmm. empowering side. And I really learned that you know it's, that's the reality right now. It doesn't say that I'm not not part of. I am part of you know um, user groups at SAP, and I do do those things. But I'm just one, right? right? I'm just one, one of few, mm-hmm. right? And I know <laughs> that Nesby provides um, so that network in terms of just being around other technical professionals, um, the leadership side, um, engaging, feeling you're giving back. And I believe if I give back eventually one day, you know, um, never mind, I still always feel that, you know, that, that mom and pop shop that had me come fix their computers, that McDonald franchise owned by that minority was a big part mm-hmm. of where I'm at today. So even though I'm doing right. SAP and, and probably not too many minority firms can, can afford SAP, I do know that in the beginning, when I was doing little databases and, and working on servers and stuff like that, that it was those entrepreneurs that helped me where I'm at now. And I feel through Nesby, I can do the same for others. And you know, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, giving back, you know, not just with my time, but also with my money. Yeah, fantastic, man. That's that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, man, we're coming to a close here, and um, I just want to want you to know that you you shared a lot of great information. But before you go, if you could. Um, share with our audience um, how they could keep in touch with you. If they want to reach out, maybe a website, email address, whatever you feel comfortable giving. Okay. Yeah. And then lastly, just leave us with one of your favorite quotes or uh, just a quick piece of guidance. Um, RZW, RZW White at RZWINC.com. You can feel free to email me. Um, want to know anything about SAP? Want to know anything about being a... Um, Self-employed consultant, you know, please feel to hit me up at rzy rzwinc.com. And um, what I, what my piece, what I always try to share with other consultants like myself is never, never, always be willing to share, always be willing to share what you know, whether you're getting paid or not. You know, the cut, the client sees that you're sharing knowledge, the client sees that you're engaging, and you always tend to either what you share, you get reinforced, what you deliver, you get reinforced, but you always know that you're developing a bigger network, you're aligning with other people that can provide help to you when you're, you know, dealing with challenges with your clients and, and just, you know, your products. So I would always say be be a person to share what you know, especially as a consultant. There you have it. There you have it, listeners. Be generous with your knowledge. Amen. Exactly. It's always, it's always a, a long-run game. Don't always be in it for the short run. And, uh, hey, Richard, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time, man. I, I thoroughly enjoyed what you had to share. And I just look forward to uh, just seeing things continue to grow and people, other people to benefit. Maybe one day you might see me at Martha's Vineyard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the time. Hey, you love it. You, you know hey, you want to keep coming back. <laughs> I appreciate it, man.
Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, and we would love for you to come and join us again next time. In the meantime, please do us a couple of favors. One, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any other platform you might find us on. And two, rate and leave a positive review so we can know what you think of the show. And finally, spread the word. Tell your friends and family that they can join us right here on the Nesbypreneur Podcast.